Welcome to the Lessons for Living television program. My name is Bill Santos. Thank you so much for watching. What is the real purpose of a church? In Mark's gospel, Mark 11, verse 17, we read the following. And he was teaching them and saying to them, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations? But you have made it a den of robbers. Many beautiful churches have become tourist attractions and places of business. They are becoming, in a way, more like a den of thieves than a house of prayer. During World War I, we are told that one of the beautiful cathedrals in London was destroyed. The people came for worship, and what they found was nothing but rubble. The debris was finally cleared away, and in the few remaining seats that were there were erected, and a service was conducted, but under the open sky. The next week, a sign was erected in front of that place of worship. It read, blasted, but still blessed. Well, what makes a church blessed, even after it has been blasted? A church is great not because of the width of its influence, but because of the depth of its commitment. A church is not great because of her past heritage, but because of her present heroism. A church is not great because of what she has, but because what she is prepared to give. A church is a sacred place set aside for the worship of God. And because worship is prayer, the house of God is a place set apart for prayer. It's not a common place. It's where God dwells. It is where he meets with his people and delights in the worship of his saints. Without prayer, the church is lifeless and powerless. Without prayer, even the building is nothing more than a structure. Prayer converts even the bricks and mortar and lumber. It converts them into a sanctuary. Prayer gives a peculiar sacredness to the building. It sanctifies it. it it sets it apart for God. You see, the Bible talks about the presence of Christ in the Old Testament tabernacle. Acts chapter 7, and in verse 38, we read the following. This is the one who was in the congregation in the wilderness with the angel who spoke to him at Mount Sinai and with our fathers. He received living oracles to give to us. For 40 years, God's house was a tent that was transported from place to place in the wilderness. The people would come in and out of the presence of God in a special way. Within that tent was the altar of incense, which represented the prayers of the saints. Now, when they finally settled in Israel, Solomon built a magnificent temple. They say one of the most marvelous structures ever built. It was dedicated to prayer. And at the dedication, King Solomon offered a remarkable prayer. It is probably the longest prayer in the Bible. Solomon felt that he could not afford to lay the foundations of God's house in anything else but prayer. And that should be the basis, the foundation of any church. 
He was a praying king. What was the result of his prayer? Second Chronicles chapter 7 and in verse 1. As soon as Solomon finished his prayer, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of God filled the temple. God's presence filled the temple as a result of prayer. On hearing the word church, we form a mind picture of a building with a steeple. Biblically speaking, a church has nothing to do with brick and mortar. The word translated church in the New Testament is ecclesia, meaning that which is called out. A man saw a little boy standing near the ashes of a house that had just burned to the ground. Too bad, son, that you don't have a home anymore, he said to that little boy. Oh, but you're wrong, mister, said the boy. We do have a home. We just don't have a house to put it in. A family is to be pitied if it only has brick, mortar, steel, and material substance to make it into a home. You can have a home without the building. Having the structure, no matter how ornate and refined it is, is no guarantee that you will have a home. You know, real estate agents advertise homes for sale. You can buy a house, but you can't buy a home. After the house is destroyed, the home still stands. You know, Victor Hugo said, a house is built of logs and stone, of tiles and posts and piers. A home is built of loving deeds that stand a thousand years. In the book of Acts, in chapter 2, and in verse 47, we read the following. The Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. It says that these people were added not to a building, but to a congregation. You know, very often the early church met in people's homes. James 5, verse 16 tells us that they prayed for each other. You see, as we pray for each other, the church begins to transform and becomes a healing community. The church is full of needy people. We live in a broken world. And signs that, of that brokenness can be seen in the community of faith. You know, some worshipers are heavily burdened with sorrow. Some are filled with fear and apprehension because of nagging problems in their lives. Some have lost the sense of the presence of God. Others are burdened with a guilty conscience. Still others are facing conflicts, possibly with members of the same congregation. You see, the evil one would like nothing more than to cause hostilities and divisions in the church. But as long as the church is a community of prayer, and as long as it stays in prayer, and in its walk with God, the enemy will be held at bay. The powers of darkness stand a poor chance against a group of praying believers. The psalmist invites people to come to the house of God. He says in the 95th Psalm in verse 6, O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. God wants us to participate 
in public worship. You can pray anywhere, but we are instructed as to the importance of mingling with others and openly worshiping God who delights in our worship. You know, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, Paul instructs us this way, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. You know, if we pray in private, nobody needs to know about it. When we participate in a public assembly, whether it be two or three or many thousands, we are making an open declaration that we believe in God. When we pray in public, we are declaring that we believe in the power and in the usefulness of prayer. Someone says, well, I come to the church for a different purpose. I come to hear a good sermon. Well, if you pray while you're hearing that sermon, you'll receive an added blessing. Listening to a sermon is part of our worship. Preaching is important because the minister seeks to become the voice of God speaking to the people. Public prayer is equally important. In it, the minister becomes the voice of the people as they speak to God. You know, we turn to the Gospel of Luke where we read one of Christ's well-known parables. It begins like this in Luke chapter 18 and in verse 10. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee, the other a publican. These two men, the Bible says, had a very specific purpose to come to the temple. They didn't just come because it was their custom or because if they didn't, they'd feel guilty. They came for a purpose. We need to have a purpose for going to church. If you don't come to church for anything, you will probably just get what you came for, nothing. It says they went into the temple to pray. Now, that was a reason many people visited the temple. They visited to pray. The Pharisees went to the temple to pray, but he forgot his errand. He forgot his reason. He got around to praying. And the verse says it this way. The two men went to the temple to boast. If it had said that, then the Pharisee would have clearly fulfilled his mission. If it said the Pharisee went to the temple to show off, then he would have fulfilled his errand. But that was not the purpose for visiting the house of God. As a Pharisee, he should have been the first to recognize the fact prayer was part of his profession. The Pharisees separated themselves from the general public because of their supposed holiness. They were amazingly well-versed in the scriptures. The Pharisee was a teacher. Many of them were scribes. They had written out copies of the law. If anyone should know the real purpose of going to the church, to the temple, well, it should be this Pharisee. Luke 18, verse 11 and 12. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. 
he wasn't talking to God. In essence, he was saying, God, you should be thankful to have a person like me among those who come and worship you. You know, I'm comparably, incomparably superior to the common herd. He acted as if he was in his own house, praising himself instead of being in God's house where the Lord alone is to be praised. He was so full of himself that there was no room for God in his heart. He was so satisfied with himself that he felt no need of prayer. Well, he had all he needed and could only stand still overflowing with gratitude to the one to whom he owed everything, namely himself. Funny how some people are very impressed with themselves. The Pharisee was a self-made man in love with his maker. He was like a fine peacock spreading out his feathers, strutting around and glorifying himself. He boasted about the sins he didn't commit and then the good deeds he had done. Probably referring to the publican, he boasted that he was not an extortioner. Look at this publican. There is a specimen of exactly what I'm referring to. I rejoice that I am not as this scoundrel. He fasted twice a week. Not all the Pharisees fasted twice a week. On Mondays and Thursdays, it was not an obligation. But he took pride in fasting and tithing more than the letter of the law required. Of course, we have no Pharisees in the church today, do we? Or do we at times feel quite satisfied with ourselves? After all, our standards are much higher than those of most people we know. We work much harder than our colleagues and friends. We have no trouble discerning the ways in which others are inferior to us. Just look around and see all the weak and defective saints that occupy the pews of the churches. Verse 13. But the tax collector standing far off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God be merciful to me a sinner. The Pharisee felt that he was righteous and everyone else was a sinner. The publican felt that he was a sinner and everyone else was righteous. To him, sin was not mere fiction. It was a reality. He craved mercy at the throne of grace and he sensed that only sovereign grace could provide him with what he needed so desperately. I mean, have you ever gone to the point where your heart is breaking and you come to God in prayer, you're groaning and crying, longing to see the face of your master and be accepted in his presence? That's when you're really praying. The sorrowful thought of a broken heart is unmeasurably better than the arrogance of a calloused spirit. It is a deep sense of sin, a deep sense of need, a deep sense of dependence upon God's grace that helps a person when they come to God's house. Speaking of the publican, look what Jesus said in Luke 18, 14. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. 
In this story, two classes of worshipers are seen. The class represented by the Pharisee is regarded as possessing great excellence of character. The other class is represented by the publican. They're much less respectable in the eyes of the world. But is this estimate a correct one? Well, no. It's the exact opposite of truth, the exact opposite of the estimation in which they are held in heaven. Both the Pharisee and the publican are under the eye of the heart-searching God who is no respecter of persons. Wealth and titles and talent and reputation are no recommendation to his favor. In fact, when we go to 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, look at what it says. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him, for the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. James chapter 5 and verse 4, it says, Behold the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, are crying out against you. And the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. The 138th Psalm, verse 6, Even though the Lord is high, he can still see the lowly, but God keeps his distance from the arrogant. Isaiah chapter 66 and verse 2, My hand made all these things and brought them into being, says the Lord, but here is where I will look to the humble and contrite in spirit who tremble at my word. Russ Blowers is a minister who was active in his local Indianapolis Rotary Club. At club meetings each week, a member gives a brief statement about his job. And when it was his turn, Russ said, I'm a global, I'm with a global enterprise. We have branches in every country in the world. We have our representatives in nearly every parliament boardroom on earth. We're into motivation and behavior alteration. We run hospitals, feeding stations, crisis pregnancy centers, university publishing houses, and nursing homes. We care for our clients from birth to death. We are into life insurance and fire insurance. We perform spiritual heart transplants. Our original organizer owns all the real estate on earth, plus an assortment of galaxies and constellations. He knows everything and lives everywhere. Our product is free for the asking. In fact, there's not enough money to buy it. Our CEO was born in a hick town, worked as a carpenter, didn't own a home, was misunderstood by his family, hated by enemies, walked on water, was condemned to death without a trial, and arose from the dead. I talk with him every day. The church is the most amazing organization in the world. Rebecca Manley Pippert told the story of a college student named Bill. He became a Christian while attending college. He always wore a t-shirt with holes in it, jeans, and no shoes. 
Across the street from the college he attended was a very conservative church. The members were all well-dressed. They desired to develop a ministry to the students at the nearby college, but they just didn't know how to go about it. Well, one day in the middle of their service, Bill, the college student, walked into their church. As always, he was barefoot, wearing torn jeans, a t-shirt, his hair was uncombed, no shoes. All eyes were on Bill as he walks down the aisle, getting closer and closer to the pulpit. Finally, not finding a seat, he squats down on the carpet. Well, the atmosphere in the church became very tense. Well, at that very moment, from way back of the church, a deacon is seen slowly walking down the aisle in Bill's direction. This elderly man with gray hair, three-piece suit, a pocket watch, walks with a cane and is heading to the place where Bill is seated on the carpet. Well, everyone is wondering, how is he going to deal with this situation? The church is silent except for the clicking of the deacon's cane on the floor. Everyone wonders, will he ask Bill to leave? As the elderly gentleman reaches the place where Bill is seated, he, with effort, lowers himself and sits down next to Bill so he won't have to sit there alone. Even the preacher gets choked up at this point, and he says, what I'm about to preach to you, you will never remember. But what you have just seen, you will never forget. If every Christian church could become a safe haven, a refuge for troubled souls who come in from the busy streets longing for help, what an impact Christianity would make on our world. May our churches truly fulfill their mission, each one being a house of prayer for all people, is my prayer today. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for loving us, guiding us, protecting us, sending Jesus to die for us on the cross. Thank you for the institution of the church, a congregation of faith where we can come and, and pray for one another and be supported and encouraged and most importantly, fellowship with you. Father, I pray for those that are longing a place for peace that they may find it in their local church. Open the hearts of the church members to be receptive to those that come in in need May we embrace them and, and just reflect the love of God to them. Bless each and every viewer, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we've come to that time in our program where we have our special offer. On each and every broadcast, we'd like to make a resource available to you, something that will encourage you to continue your study of God's Word. In fact, we are told that throughout the ceaseless ages of eternity, we will be studying scripture and it will never be exhausted. There is so much God wants to teach us, so much that is important that for us to live life and live it more abundantly. I have a small little book here for you today. I'm not sure we've ever offered this book. It is called The Thought Makers. We'd love to send you this book. It's a gift if you're watching us for the very first time. 
we make these gifts available at every program. There's no obligation whatsoever on your part. You're never going to receive an invoice for it. What will happen is uh, there's some information we're going to give you in just a second here. If you follow those instructions and request this book, it'll arrive in your home, postage paid. No obligation whatsoever on your part. It's a gift from us to you. We pray that you accept our gift. So if you're interested in receiving this book, The Thought Makers, pay close attention to the information we're about to provide you. To receive today's free offer, you can log on to the Lessons for Living television website, www.l4ltv.com. That's the Lessons for Living television website, www.l4ltv.com. You can also write us at Post Office Box 27030, Simcoe Conlon Post Office, Oshawa, Ontario, L1G 0A3. And we would be happy to send the offer out to you. That's Post Office Box 27030, Simcoe Conlon Post Office, Oshawa, Ontario, L1G 0A3. If you live in Canada, this offer will be sent out to you free and postage paid. For viewers living outside of Canada, shipping charges will apply. If you wish, you could order this offer by calling our 1-800 number and speaking with one of our volunteers at 1-800-972-0337. Well, we've come to the end of another Lessons for Living television program. Let me thank you again for tuning in. We appreciate you guys being with us every time we're on. And if I may be so bold as to ask you to share the good news of our program with your friends and family so that they too will join us next time. Uh, you can do that by referring them to our website, for example, l4ltv.com. Every one of our previous programs is accessible through the website. Click on the previous programs page. We have some archived sermons, different topics, presentations I've done. You can watch the presentation. You can download a lesson that has all the Bible text. You can read those and study those topics for yourself and draw your own thoughts and conclusions on those important Bible topics. You can go to the Donate Today tab, make a donation to help keep the ministry on the air. Every dollar that is donated goes right back into the ministry, paying for the airtime, the, the studio time, paying for those gifts that we offer. Uh, not a penny of that money comes to me or my family. I, I draw a salary from a church that I pastor, and this is just a labor of love. And so we're also a charitable organization, so any dollar you do commit, you'll get an official receipt for income tax purpose. So if you feel so impressed to help us, please do. Social media, Instagram, one minute, devotional video goes out every morning, 6.30 a.m. Eastern time. You can get that, just follow me on Instagram. Go to our Facebook page, like our Facebook page, facebook.com slash L4L television. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. You'll be notified of every time a new program is added. Follow me on Twitter. Check out SoundCloud where we have an audio version of the program available. Just before we go, one more website I want to draw your attention to and encourage you to visit. It is called the missionnowcanada.com website. Mission Now Canada is the branch of our ministry that does overseas humanitarian work. You can see where we have been in the past and some of the work we have done and where we are planning on going in the future. Maybe you'll want to join us on one of those upcoming mission trips and or make a donation to any one of those projects. 
We hope you consider that. Well, we are all out of time. Thank you so much for being here. We look forward to doing this again next time. We hope you'll join us. God bless you. We'll see you then.